0: You're listening to the Wool Academy Podcast. This is episode number 82. Hello and welcome. My name is Elizabeth Van Delden, and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the Wool Industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond, delivering strategies and insights to be successful in Wool and showcasing those beautiful stories Wool has to tell. Today's guest on the show is Jacob Long. Jacob is the CEO of the company American Woolen. Welcome, Jacob. It's wonderful to have you on the show today. How are you?
1: Very good. Thank you very much for having me.
0: (laughs) Well, could you please introduce yourself a little bit more in detail and tell us about the work that you do in the wool industry?
1: So I am the CEO of American Woolen Company, which although you probably don't know, 100 years ago, American Woolen was the largest wool company in the world with 62 wool mills and 41,000 employees. Things kind of went pear-shaped in the 1950s. And uh, as you probably know just from reading the history books, America at one time had over 300 wool mills, and those wool mills closed throughout the 20th century. And when we put together American Woolen back in 2014, our idea was to try to recreate what America once had in the sense of the craftsmanship, the technology and more the engagement to create a luxury manufacturer and designer of worsted woolens for both apparel and footwear.
0: Wow, those are impressive numbers Um, and at the same time sad but then very um, good that you jumped into it to change the situation.
1: I think a lot of it was we really feel that there's a lot of macro trends that are supporting this whole push into the wool industry. Just speaking with our clients, we've understood that there are a lot of apparel manufacturers who are getting tired of polyester, and they're receiving a lot of pushback from the final consumers. People are far more interested in sustainable fibers, so wool and cotton are back on customers' radar screens. And I think after a 40-year decline in the wool composition and apparel, we're actually seeing uh, a nice uptick. And I believe that this is not just a blip, but it is really a trend. And I think you're now seeing that wool is not only used for tailored products, but also in footwear as well as athletic wear. So I think this is really helping to broaden wool's exposure across all apparel categories. And the most interesting thing is that we count three major footwear manufacturers as current clients, and I think that's a complete change from maybe fifteen twenty years ago where most footwear manufacturers are only using leather and/ or synthetics
0: yeah no that that's really interesting yeah and tell me a little bit more about American Bullen as a company. What exactly do you do? What kind of products do you make
1: so American Bullen is a designer and manufacturer of both worsted and woolen fabrics. We manufacture our products across our three facilities in Stafford Springs, Connecticut. Stafford Springs is located about one hour due west of Boston, about two and a half hours north of New York City. And our clients, for the most part, are US-based fashion brands. But recently, we've really tapped into the Japanese and the Chinese market. Our fabrics range anywhere from six and 6.75 ounces, so let's say 200 grams, all the way out to a 750-gram woolen product we make for the U.S. Navy. So we kind of really have a very broad product range. We do anything from a very lightweight plain weave to a very coarse fabric for pea coats. Um, I like to tell people that although we are manufacturers, we are first and foremost a fashion company. So we have a very intense focus not on trying to sell our capabilities as much as we're trying to sell our aesthetic. And I think that's one of the, the main tenets of American Woolen. The first tenet, of course, is trying to bring back this idea of a domestic supply chain for apparel and footwear. In the united states but the second thing for us is really trying to understand what is that american style aesthetic that's probably been missing from the global stage the europeans as you know have such a defined aesthetic be it an italian aesthetic a german english and or french i think for us in america most people identify america with workwear and our task at american Woolen is trying to bring that workwear market into the modern age and so a lot of the work we do is our design. So our design department is where a lot of our resources are allocated toward try to create this American style aesthetic. And we do that through our fabrics, not only the hand, but the color palette, as well as just the composition, the construction of the fabric.
0: And did I also see some end products like a vest and some a jacket and so on?
1: Correct. And so recently we've just decided to launch an exclusive line of outerwear and some sport coats. And a lot of that is not so much to tap into a revenue stream as much as it is to take wool and use it in more novel ways. And that's basically what the focus of the whole apparel launch was to understand how wool can substitute nylon and or polyester in certain outerwear. So that's pretty much why we were focused on outerwear at the outset. And another part of the, this apparel project is to try to shape our aesthetic. And again, I, as I indicated earlier, for us, the big thing is for people to identify American woolen not so much with our ability to turn fiber into fabric, but our ability to really work on defining that American style aesthetic. And we figured out that the best way to do that would be through a finished product and not just through a fabric. So the apparel launch is more to sharpen our aesthetic and or try to communicate with our fabric clients how they can use wool in novel ways. We understood that the best way to do it was not to describe it, but was to actually manufacture a finished product and demonstrate to our clients that there are tremendous possibilities for wool and not only outerwear, but footwear and accessories, for example, bags. So that's pretty much the whole idea of the the American woolen branded product launch.
0: Okay, got it. And what exactly, you mentioned earlier, kind of the history of the American wool industry, And but what is the history of the American woolen company as a history, what is there behind?
1: So American woolen company was founded in 1899 in Lawrence, Massachusetts, and as I said earlier, it was the largest wool company in the world. And then things went slightly pear-shaped in the 1950s as a lot of the mills were shut in the New England northeast and a lot of mills opened up in the southeast toward the Carolinas, Georgia, Alabama. And American Woolen was purchased in the 1950s and then I think it was subsequently subsequently closed toward the end of the 1950s. And we were lucky enough that Loro Piana had contacted me um, about locating a potential buyer for a mill called Warren that Piana had owned and operated since 1988. And due to some asset streamlining, when Louis Vuitton purchased Piana, they were going to close Warren Mill in Stafford Springs, Connecticut. And through some contacts, I learned that the mill was for sale. And so I reckoned that the best thing to do was to take a heritage brand like American Woolen with a glorious past and a very rich heritage And then combine that with a pretty modern textile mill, which was Warren Company based in Stafford Springs, Connecticut. So in effect, we backed a physical textile operation into a heritage trademark and became what I call the new American woolen company. So I will say before, Loder Piano, when they owned and operated this mill, after over 25 years, spent a considerable amount of money to not only expand, but to update the facilities. So I like to tell people that we have clearly probably one of the most modern manufacturing bases for textiles in America.
0: And what is your background that you you know had this idea to bring American to develop the new American woolen?
1: So I guess I'm a serial entrepreneur. I spent 20 years as an investment banker in Europe for various European commercial banks in Paris, Frankfurt, Milan, and London. And toward 2011-2012, ni- I started looking into the textile industry as a potential investment opportunity. And just through contacts with Piana, I learned of this mill in Stafford Springs, Connecticut. I was based in Milan, Italy at the time. And I like to tell people that after 20 years of working in and out of industrial manufacturing and banking, through Europe, what I really learned about Europe was the attention to craft manufacturing and not only craft manufacturing in large scale, but in small scale. It really was interesting to notice how the Europeans treat ball bearings and turbocharger housing manufacturing just as they treat soft consumer goods like textiles and foods and beverage. And so I like to tell people my 20 years in Europe really taught me to understand what could be done if manufacturing adopts a different approach. And I mean by that is I tell people, try to put the effectiveness of your proposition in front of the efficiencies. We don't try to be the lowest cost manufacturer at American woolen. We just try to be the best at what we can do for the American style aesthetic. And I really learned a lot of that in Europe, where the Europeans may not be the cheapest manufacturers of a given good, but they try to be the best. That's something that I think was lost on U.S. textile manufacturing. That is something, at least in the wool market, and that is something that we're trying to bring back. So, again, very, very, very little experience in textiles, I think, since 2012, 2013 when I bought the mill, but a lot of experience in craft manufacturing as a banker for European investment banks.
0: Okay. Okay. So that's what you bring to the table. Thank you for sharing that. And what was the biggest challenge that you faced when you started um, taking, or when you took over the American woolen company?
1: I think there are two challenges. The the first challenge, of course, was the client base. A lot of it was trying to convince a U.S. client base that as Americans we can if anything, compete with the Italians on the same level. And that's probably one of the biggest challenges. A lot of our clients doubted our ability to do what we're doing. I remind you that the mill was owned and operated by Loro Piana for 25 years. So in effect, they were buying a Loro Piana design fabric, just not made in Quarone, Italy, but made in Stafford Springs. At American Woolen, this idea of trying to convince our clients that there is a missing element with an American style of aesthetic, It's still a work in progress, and we're trying to convince our clients it will be a long-term struggle. But we've been fortunate there have been certain clients who see what we're trying to do, and the interesting thing is clients who have indicated their interest to have an American-style aesthetic next to an Italian-style aesthetic or a European-style aesthetic next to an English-style aesthetic. And that has been beneficial to us because it allows us to work within a capsule collection for a lot of our clients. The second hurdle, which is a significant hurdle, is you just can't find the expertise in the wool market in America that you probably could 20, 30, or 40 years ago. Just if you tour the north of Italy between Biella, Prato, and or in Veneto, there are so many wool manufacturers, both worsted and woolen. So as a result of that, there is a community, a cluster, a district that can kind of support the whole industry. If you don't know, there are currently only five wool mills operating in America. There are three woolen mills, there's one worsted mill, and we at American Woolen are the only dual worsted woolen. So five wool mills in a country with 330 million consumers, you can imagine, there's not a lot of help that we have. So when we're trying to recruit people, most often we have to look toward Europe as there really is not much domestically that can service our needs.
0: And do you also source your wool from within the U.S. or where does your wool come from?
1: And that's a bigger argument. It's a beautiful thing. I'm happy you brought that up. The big thing at American Woolen is trying to close the supply chain. And what I mean by that is a lot of my clients may love the fabric, but if they're manufacturing their garments in China and or Europe, most often they'll get a Chinese fabric manufacturer and or a European fabric manufacturer with the idea that you can maximize efficiency by locating your fabric mills next to your garment makers. With the same thing on the fiber side. So I think at American Woolen, what we try to do is I tell people, we try to connect the American sheep on the left of the equation with the American and or European or Asian consumer on the right of the equation. So, We recently have been trying to convert all of our woolen fabrics. Currently, we'll be using American-sourced fiber coming out of Texas, Montana, Wyoming, or Colorado. And on the worsted side, we're tweaking our product development cycle and tweaking our product developments toward to introduce a coarser micron-count wool to enable us to work with more domestic providers of fiber. And I think on the other side of the equation, we're trying to work with garment manufacturers in New England and connecting them with our clients so we can provide a full fiber all the way to finished product supply chain in America. And so I tell people the struggle and what we're really trying to do at American Woolen is just connect buyers and sellers and connect consumers and manufacturers in the wool supply chain. Be it the farmers up in Montana who own ranches with of heads of sheep and or the garment manufacturer out in New England who basically can turn that fabric into a beautiful finished product.
0: And do you feel that the current political climate is also right and that there's more of a mindset to make things within the U.S.?
1: I don't want to. It's not about the political argument. I always tell people it wasn't politics that caused America's bull market and the wool mills to close in the 1990s and two thousand. I think it was a lack of imagination. So when I talk about politics, I'm not sure if I'm trying to compete on a luxury level as opposed to on a commodity level. So can politics help my organization? Well, clearly they can put tariffs on wool imports It's gonna help my product. But I try to stay away from politics and just focus on doing the best product we can with the most accurate and appropriate aesthetic and just try to stay clear of what I tell people, stay clear of what the Europeans are doing and go in our own direction. Whether politics can help or not, clearly politics can have a hand in that, but I think at the end of the day, it's going to be the final consumer who's going to understand and is going to try to desire if he wants to buy a European-slash-Italian fabric, a Chinese fabric, a Turkish fabric, or an American woolen fabric. I think at the end of the day, it's that. Whether the politics can charm or woo or convince a consumer, I don't know. But I do know that our focus is on the final customer and the final client and not so much focus on politics.
0: And that American aesthetics that you talk about, how would you describe it? How is it different the other one?
1: Well, two ways. A lot of it is American fabrics, just by the nature of our climate, are heavier and coarser than European fabrics. I tell people... I spent 20 years in and around Europe. My wife is Italian and we, my kids were born in Italy. And we lived in Italy for many years. And Italian summers are beastly hot and Italian winters are mild in nature. Here in New England, and I would say pretty much all the North of America, we don't have four seasons. We have two. There's winter and there's summer. And what it does is it opens the door toward a heavier, coarser fabric that could probably be used six, seven, eight, nine months out of a year, as opposed to an Italian fabric where you may get springtime in March and you're already shifting to a very lightweight plain weave fabric. Here in America, it could be still below freezing, at which point you're still donning a heavier fabric. So first is the density. I would say our fabrics tend to be probably 50 grams heavier than the European fabrics. And second is the color palette. You may not feel this, but believe it or not, the American navy is different from a European navy blue. An American gray is different from a European gray, as well as an American green is different from a European green. So we really try to capitalize on the the very minute differences in color shades for an American color palette. And then again, as I indicated earlier, Just the weight of our fabrics tends to be heavier, and that's what we're trying to do. And the third thing is we really focus a lot on outerwear, which is big in Europe, but far bigger in North America just by the nature of our climate. And we don't really work with suiting fabrics as much as we work for sport coat fabrics, which allows us to kind of be a bit more playful with the color changes and the color differences.
0: Okay, that that was very clear. Thank you for... For defining that, um, do you see that there will be a shift for more companies to be manufacturing woolen uh, fabric in the U.S.? Do you think there's room?
1: Well, we know one thing. I think to construct a wool mill today in North America is going to cost you a lot of money and a lot of time. And I tell people it's not just trying to purchase the machinery. It's trying to train the operators. And again, as you probably know from your experience, it really isn't the machine that makes a fine worsted or woolen. It's the operator behind the machine. And I think that's where we were really lucky that we were able to recruit. I would say we started with one employee back in 2014, and we're currently up to 68 employees, so from one to 68. And I would say that 60 of those 68 are former employees of the mill some of those employees have over 35 years experience and as you know wool is not like synthetic wool is not like cotton so i think for us i don't i would welcome other wool mills opening up in north america but somehow i just don't think it's going to happen but i do feel that there is a really nice tailwind i.e a very nice positive momentum growing as i indicated earlier where people are really looking at wool and sustainability and more important i think Customers are now looking into garments and they want to know where the garment was made. And we've been very fortunate with this as I would say 100% of our clients demand the American woolen label when they buy our fabric. And what it means is the American woolen label is important to our clients because it's important to their clients. So for us, we see a positive trend. We see more people looking at wool for athletic wear for footwear so that's going to push wool into larger apparel and footwear categories but we also look that people will be looking for that american woolen label because if anything they really like that idea of an american style aesthetic, something that we believe has been missing in the fashion market for the last 20 30 40 years
0: can you define also? Is there a certain demographic of end consumer who's particularly interested in in like American made and also wool fabric, nat- nature, etc.
1: But believe it or not, and this is something that I was very surprised at. It's the younger consumer far more than the older consumer who is our target market. I would say that our current client list are. Um, domestic clients are targeting a 20 to 40 year old male, not a 40 to 60 year old male, and that's not to exclude certain demographics. But what it indicates that younger consumers are more interested where a product is made, and are maybe taking more pride in made in America than an older consumer, and they're probably more interested in taking a stand as opposed to just trying to get a cheaper price point, and that's part and parcel of a larger argument, which is when people say that made in America does not interest consumers because the price difference, my reaction is it depends how the product is merchandised. And I believe as the Europeans have done so well, you really need to merchandise the whole made in America trend. The Italians have done wonders with their ability to capitalize on the Italian foods and beverages, on automotive, on fashion on bringing all luxury under one umbrella. Well, the same thing with America. If you were to put a made-in-America product next to a made-in-Mexico, made-in-China product, and it costs two and a half times the price, it's probably not going to work. But if you're able to put a made-in-America product and bring everything around that that makes that made-in-America product that much special through the experience, through the touch points, merchandising it correctly, I think consumers will pay a higher price point. And at least we do know that the younger consumers will pay a higher price point. It appears that the younger consumers, more than the older consumers, are spending more on their garments because they're looking more for quality. And it's not to say that fast fashion does not still exist. But if anything, we have these distinct markets going at two different speeds. One market is a fast fashion slash discount commodity market for apparel. And the other market is a higher end premium luxury market. And what we've seen is that whole middle market is slowly being eliminated. And so I think we've been fortunate that we have a younger clientele who are more interested in a premium-priced product, if anything, because they know that it could last for seasons after season instead of something they buy in September only to put in the garbage in October and November.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you're also transporting this message that you've been talking about during our discussion now, also on social media, can you talk a little bit how you're using social media, and maybe also which platforms work best for you?
1: Um, social media for us is just a way to expand our client base. I would say that we don't, we probably could use social media better. I think what's important is social. I feel that social media is kind of, I guess, I see the market going back towards physical retail. I may be the only person who says that. But I think the interesting thing about social media for us is you may show a fabric on Instagram and or Facebook, but most people may look at it and because of the pixel count, they don't know if it's duck canvas or cashmere vacuna. So I think for us as fabric makers, we need people to get into stores and to actually touch the product. Because as you know, once people are able to feel the product a lot of people will pay a premium price where on instagram and or social media they may buy it but they're going to only buy it because it's at a good let's say a very aggressive price point but i would say the interesting thing about social media is it has helped us to realize that nobody is looking for the commodity colors in menswear of blue gray and black because of social media people like the pop People like the bright colors, the colors that make an impact. And I think that's all social media. And it's my clients who are telling me that when they put a red, yellow, fuchsia, gold sport coat on their social media, they get instant response as opposed to putting a drab commodity navy blazer. But we do use social media to try to highlight our employees. We believe that if anything, social media has provided us a platform to expand express and explain to our clients that American Woolen is not just a brand. American Woolen is 68 dedicated people in Stafford Springs, Connecticut working to try to bring out the best product. So I think that rather than just talking about our fabrics and talking about our mill with social media, the ability to communicate on multiple levels more frequently enables us to highlight employees and our employee spotlights and highlight the fabrics. So maybe if that respect, we try to use social media, and I I believe the future probably is social media, and it it allows you to really tell your story in a more eloquent way than it does just taking an ad out in some fashion magazine.
0: Okay, thank you for sharing um, your strategy here. Well, it was really interesting to hear your story and to understand what you're doing with American Woollen. And, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing all what's ahead for American Woollen and your 68 dedicated staff members.
1: <laughs> well, thank you very much for the interview, and thank you very much for your time.
0: Yeah, so before we close, what where should people go um, to find out more about American Woollen? What is your website?
1: Well, our Amer- website is com, and our Instagram is American Woollen. Uh, our Twitter, I believe, is at American Woolen. So mostly through our website, you can actually take a full mill tour on our website where we walk you through from fiber to fabric. And that's another interesting thing. our We really believe that the ability to explain what we do is going to be beneficial to get people more interested not only in American Woolen, but in wool products in general. And I think there is a bit of a mystery surrounding wool, and people still don't understand the, the, how it's made and how it's a plain weave or a four harness or a twill fabric is made. We walk you through on our website and then clearly on our Instagram page, we try to update our clients and our, our, our followers with what we're doing in terms of colors and employees and, and the direction we're taking overall.
0: Okay. That sounds really nice. So I'll make sure to link to all of the social media accounts and website that you mentioned. And yeah, thank you once again for your time, Jacob. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Jacob Long from American Woolen. If you want to find out more about Jacob as well as about American Woolen, then head on over to the show notes at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 082. Once again, elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 082. Also make sure you connect with me on Facebook twitter linkedin and instagram so you can always stay informed and updated about what's happening on the wool academy podcast i really appreciate you listening and talk to you again next week and bye for now